the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Let us bring our two into existence of Backbone Radio. Matt Dunn, your host, on this August 28th, 2022. And we've got, let's, we've got to cover the latest information on the Trump raid and Zuckerberg and the FBI and all of those items because I found some very good stuff to share. Listening to the news break just now, I have to point one thing out that we are heading into the proximity to the election. And so everybody must be on guard for increased doses of propaganda in your media. Okay. It's, uh, you know, some people call it the silly season and there's always the propaganda going on, but it's going to be really extra intense. Okay. Heading into November. So you just kind of have to hang on, hang on and do your best to penetrate all of it. Set yourself apart, detached from all of the propaganda, because you will hear everything. And fake polls are going to be a big part of the standard propaganda apparatus. <laughs> Just watch for polling data that comes out that gets the chattering classes all talking that is going to be completely erroneous. Just like, you know, every election cycle, they end up being 10, 20, 30 points off okay but that's part of the mind control operation is to put the fake polls into the system and so we can just expect all this again more hoaxes in the media more intense propaganda in the media you can expect more fake polls to be coming out to say oh democrats are doing great oh they're doing great they're gonna win they're cruising to win look gonna be more raids on their political opponents just expect that. I mean, uh, the usual stuff, you know, as we head into election season. So just just be ready, and we'll we'll be ready around here to help work our way through a bunch of this stuff. And regarding the Trump raid scenario, um, the search warrant affidavit has been released. The court ordered release. Yes, the court. You must release it, but it's okay to redact like most of it. So. If you look at the court-ordered search warrant affidavit, there's got to be like a printer ink shortage out there for people printing these things out when it's like all these big black lines of everything redacted. And we've played that game for years, of course. And when I saw last week that, um, oh, that they're going to probably have to release it, I said, get ready for the redactions. Here come the redactions. And sure enough, man, they just wiped the thing out. So, of course, we don't know what's going on. Just like, you know, you go back to the... FBI corruption in the FISA warrants and everything to do with Russia Gate. We spent all kinds of time getting these documents that had been redacted because the deep state controls the narrative. They control what's redacted, what's not redacted, what's exposed and what's visible and what's not. They have all the cards. They're running the show. And there is just no point in playing this game. You don't have to see this document to know the FBI needs to be dismantled. We've got six years of history of this kind of corruption and election interference from the intel apparatus in this country. And on this one, they're even redacting the reasons 
for the redactions. So what do you call that, like a double redaction or a redaction squared? That's how they're doing this. Of course, a lot of people are saying, well, um, Kevin Brock, formerly um, assistant director of the FBI, says, quote, I think they're going to regret this, he says to John Solomon. He thinks that the FBI is going to regret this, that they did not have a good reason to be doing what they did with the Trump raid. And um, Newt Gingrich has come out and said that um, what's going to happen, and I'll get to this audio, well, they're going to they're gonna try to uh, indict Trump. They're going to try to uh, arrest Trump. And so get ready for this. The whole point is to sideline him for the potential 2024 race for the presidency because they're afraid of him. And again, if, if, if they really believe Biden got those easy 81 million votes, they would not be afraid of Trump running in 2024. They would encourage him to run. They would want him to run if they really believed that Biden got the 81 million votes. Because if Biden can get 81 million votes sitting in a basement in Delaware, then uh, anybody could beat Trump, right? But they seem just so scared to death. They are completely afraid. Yeah, somebody said that double secret redaction in the text messages. Keep those coming, by the way, the text to studio. I'll be responding as I am able during the breaks. But now, as I was uh, looking at the latest on the Trump raid, I did find uh, some commentary that I thought was the, the best commentary I have seen. And it comes from Mike Davis, who was formerly a law clerk for uh, uh, Gorsuch, who's now on the Supreme Court. And he's a heavyweight legal thinker. And um, he really, I think, got to the point on all of this. And I'm going to go through what he was saying. But one point that comes up is like, well, why didn't, uh, why didn't Trump just hand over the documents that the FBI wanted? Why didn't he just hand them over? I say, well, they don't even have any right to ask for them. The president is the one that has the sole and exclusive authority to have stuff in his domicile or wherever. And all presidents do this. And the president is the decider on this stuff. It's not like some bureaucrat somewhere. It's not some intel agency somewhere. And we had a caller in the last hour say that it looks like the intelligence people were a little concerned. You could make this case that they were concerned about Russiagate documents in Trump's possession coming out or um, making the FBI and the politicians of the Obama-Biden era looking particularly bad for the Russia, Russia hoax. And they wanted to get that back. You can make the case that that's what it's all about. Cash Patel is saying that. Devin Nunes is saying that. And I think that does make a lot of sense. So we can't say for sure because they've redacted the stuff and we don't know the typical deep state scenario. All right. So um, they have no right. The librarians who are coming to collect like overdue books in the library have no right to do that. The librarians are not the authority here. It is the president who has the sole an exclusive authority on this. It is very, very clear constitutionally and with Supreme Court case law, as Mike Davis brings out in these clips. And maybe I will just go ahead and start in on a bit of Mike Davis here just to kind of set the stage. And here is um, he spoke on Fox News the other day and actually two days ago. And let's just say this is uh, his credentialing here. Let's get this in. All right, let's get back to our, our big topic of the day, uh, the affidavit that was just recently unsealed, though heavily redacted. Mike Davis is a former law clerk to Justice Neil Gorsuch, also founder and president of the Article 3 Project. So I don't know, Mike, how much of a chance you've had to go uh, through this. Uh, some of it uh, unredacted, much of it redacted. 
we know a little bit about the what. We still do not know much about the why in terms of the urgency to conduct an unprecedented raid of a former president's home. Your so, thoughts? again, Mike Davis comes in very, very well credentialed. And in, in these clips that follow here, this is what Sundance called three minutes of sunlight. This is three minutes of sunlight into all this, again, that pierces the fog, that gets right through all of the propaganda you're seeing about this. And let's get to the point here. Let's hear Mike Davis launch it right here. Yeah, so this affidavit, heavily redacted affidavit, uh, it it, it further evidences that this uh, this home raid on President Trump was unprecedented, it was unnecessary, and it was unlawful. And again, what I've been saying since August 8th, the president has the absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants for any reason he wants, and he doesn't have to get permission from any bureaucrat at the National Archives to do that. And that is confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case, Department of the Navy versus Egan. So there goes the underlying potential charge for espionage that's in this, uh, that was in this warrant. There we go. Is that clear to everybody? The 1988 Supreme Court case, Navy versus Egan. President's sole absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants. He just can do it, and that's the uh, end of the road. He is the decider on this. And um, what I'm seeing is the, in the media, and I've got more clips here, but I'm, I'm seeing in the media as they're saying, oh, gosh, President Trump was hiding secret documents in Mar-a-Lago. He was hiding these things in there, and he wasn't giving them back to the bureaucrats and the government. And that is what the media is spinning on this, and they're trying to get as many Americans as possible to think that Trump was somehow hiding secret stuff. But no, it's the president who takes the documents with him, any documents with him, decides if they belong to him in his own presidential library, in his own domicile, whatever. That's the president's decision. It's very clear constitutionally. And we'll have more from Mike Davis on this when we come back, just so we're all clear on the scenario here. Well, how about some international music in this hour at Backbone Radio? That's Abu there song called Dakat, which is, uh, I believe that guy is Syrian. There's a bunch of Abus, and I, you, know, you look up Abu, and it's like, okay, where's this guy from? And it's, there's a lot of Abus out there uh, in the Middle East, shall we say. But that's, that's just fun dance music. Again, America first content. Sometimes we play international music just for kicks, just for fun, just because sometimes it's hard to find like new good American music, in my humble opinion. I'm not getting old. I'm not ossifying. But the music was better in the 90s, 80s, 70s, and even the 2000s than it is right now. Well, some days I think that when I'm getting curmudgeonly, you know. At any rate, for me, politics is not the same after the Trump raid. That was a just supernova explosion. Big deal, folks. And we're not going to be forgetting that anytime soon. That is deep state going way too far when they're going way too far. And Mike Davis, again, dials down on the Trump raid. And let me just boil this down. This is the the three minutes of sunlight. I've got a bunch of separate clips here. They're boiled down and distilled down. And just so I get that last one in one more time, so we have this Mike Davis launching former Gorsuch clerk and fine legal mind speaking to Fox News here. Yeah, so this affidavit, heavily redacted affidavit, uh, it, it, it further evidences that this 
uh, this home raid on President Trump was unprecedented, it was unnecessary, and it was unlawful. And again, what I've been saying since August 8th, the president has the absolute constitutional authority to declassify anything he wants for any reason he wants, and he doesn't have to get permission from any bureaucrat at the National Archives to do that. And that is confirmed by a 1988 Supreme Court case, Department of the Navy versus Egan. So there goes the underlying potential charge for espionage that's in this uh, that was in this warrant. You've seen the charge of espionage floated against Trump and kind of like back in the Russiagate days. It's the same playbook as the Russiagate people and it's the same people doing this. Damn it, A.G. Barr, Durham, how come you can't get accountability to anybody? What a travesty. So no espionage. president has absolute sole constitutional authority to declassify whatever he wants. And let's get to uh, some other items from Mike Davis here. Second point, the president has the sole statutory authority to make the determination whether a record is a personal record that belongs to him or a presidential record that goes to the bureaucrats at the National Archives and then get, almost certainly gets sent back to the president to put in his former library, or the former president's library. And that is confirmed by a 2012 decision by an Obama judge related to Judicial Watch and Tom Fenton's lawsuits against President Clinton related to eight years of audio tapes in his sock drawer. So we got that one clear. Sole statutory authority from the president to decide if he keeps the stuff or lets the bureaucrats keep the stuff. And remember, all of these documents are maintained by the originating agency of any and all of these documents. It's not like Trump had the only copies. Oh, no. (laughs) The agencies have all of these copies. They just didn't want Trump to have them for some reason. So what is left? They're looking at obstruction. Well, it is legally impossible for a former president to obstruct investigations into non-crimes. But the Justice Department did not have the power to even look at these crimes because it doesn't matter what the evidence shows in this affidavit, David. No matter what that evidence shows, as a matter of law, it is legally impossible for President Trump to have committed espionage, uh, espionage or to have violated some Presidential Records Act. The Presidential Records Act actually contemplates that former presidents have classified records. It doesn't differentiate. Congress gives former presidents office space, secure office space. They give the former president's staff security clearance and secret service protection to guard these paper records. And there's no allegation that any of these records got into the wrong hands, unlike Hillary Clinton's home server, where she had foreign governments hack the most highly classified secrets in our government, and she didn't get an FBI raid. So what was so urgent that that caused the Biden Justice Department to go get these records? There you go. There's no espionage at stake here. There's no obstruction at stake here. You don't even need to see the document that they have redacted, of course, because they're the deep state, and that's how they play their games, of course. We've done it for years. It's really disgusting, of course. But what was the urgency? Why so urgent? And this is the point that we've been making around here. What was so urgent that that caused the Biden Justice Department to go get these records? And I think it's because President Trump declassified and made personal a copy of the his copy of the crossfire hurricane records, the Russian collusion records. And the the Biden Justice Department never made them public because they're so damning on Obama, Hillary Clinton, the FBI and the intel community. And I think now we're getting warm. 
They didn't want Trump having in his possession the crossfire hurricane Russia hoax Russia gate records that he declassified. They didn't want him having that stuff in Mar-a-Lago because it makes the FBI look too bad. The intel apparatus look too bad. Obama, Biden, Susan Rice, Comey, the rest of the gang look too bad, folks. Way too bad. Now, here is that question about, like, the Fox News host asked, well, how come we didn't return the documents when the bureaucrats wanted them? Shouldn't he have just returned the stuff? And his answer should rest that point right here. If there is a trail of authorities asking on multiple occasions the president to turn over those documents, which they apparently knew were there, isn't that a problem, Mike? If the president had the opportunity to hand these documents over when asked. The librarians are asking for overdue uh, copies of the overdue books that, that they're not overdue. The president has the legal right to declassify these records and keep a personal copy. They did, the, pre, the former president had every right to keep these records, and the bureaucrats at the archives did not, as confirmed by the 1988 Supreme Court decision, Department of Navy versus Egan, and the 2012 Judicial Watch case against President Obama with the tapes in his sock drawer. They can, they can demand them all they want. And they- yeah, they can demand them all they want, but they have no right to make that demand. Does that make sense? They have no authority to do this. The president has the authority. The president is the top elected official in this country, and the unelecteds do not have the power that the president has constitutionally. But effectively, the unelecteds, the intel apparatus, has more power than the president. That's what we've learned over the past six years for crying out loud. We should not be in this situation, but we are. And I shouldn't have to be explaining this stuff. And Mike Davis shouldn't have to be explaining any of this stuff. But we have to counteract the propaganda. It's a futile exercise, but we have to do it. And it's a political hit on the former president and Joe Biden's top future political opponent, Mike Davis. Here's his last clip right here. This is a political raid by that was and then they, they said that the, the attorney general didn't personally authorize this raid. He absolutely did. They also said that the Biden White House was not involved with this raid. They absolutely were because White House deputy counsel of the president, Jonathan Sue, had to relay that President Biden waived President Trump's assertion of executive privilege, which paved the way for this raid. And so it it the president, President Biden was absolutely involved in this raid. And so so were his his officials in the in the Biden uh, White House Counsel's Office, Jonathan Sue. This is a political hit on a former president. Oh, absolutely. It's a political hit. It's a Stasi hit. It's a fascist hit on a political opponent. And Joe Biden's out there saying, I had no advanced knowledge of this. No advanced knowledge. Well, that's a lie because he had to, Biden had to waive the executive privilege of his his predecessor president which, by the way, renders executive privilege meaningless. You've seen arguments that that shouldn't even be allowed to happen at all. So Biden's AG Garland was all over this. He at first said he wasn't, but then he came out and said, well, I guess I was. And Biden at first said he wasn't, and he's still sticking to that. And he went on vacation, and notice the media is not hounding and hounding and hounding these people to get them on record with stuff. That's how it works in our corrupt, fascist, former republic there we go. Record the, the Infanzia, which is the Italian version of that tune with Cesaria Evora and um, Gigi D'Alessio. 
the Italian singer. And uh, Caesarea Evora is from the Cape Verde Islands, one of my all-time, all-time, ultimate favorites music-wise. Saw her in concert, the Barefoot Diva, when she came to Colorado before she did pass away. She played, I believe, at the Paramount downtown on 16th Street. And it got to, you got you to gotta have uh, Caesarea Evora in your music library if you want to be a sophisticated individual, um, in my humble opinion. Um, not to scold anybody. You know, that's not my style. Actually, we're the place where that doesn't happen. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, um, off of the phone lines, and thanks to the callers for hanging on a second. Just wanted to work this, just tying this last point in. David Ignatius, the Washington Post Longtime intelligence agency reporter who has his own parking space at the CIA. <laughs> Deep state media here. He, he was just re- re- reciting some of this about the why did this happen? Lawrence Marlago. Patel was publicly making the case that Trump had essentially unilateral right to, to declassify materials as president and was continuing to argue that there were materials from the early days of the Russia investigation that would show that the government, the FBI, was working with the media, with the Hillary Clinton campaign uh, to manufacture an investigation that's long-running. Ah, so David Ignatius is at least voicing concern about that, that Russiagate, Russiagate, Crossfire, Hurricane, that was the stuff involved in what the feds wanted to not let Trump have in his Mar-a-Lago. And so they knew they were going to be making egregiously supernova, republic-destroying move to get that stuff, but they felt like if they didn't get that stuff out of there, then it would be too much trouble for the deep state to salvage what's left of their reputation, even in the deep state media. That's one possibility. Just just pointing that out. And one more thing, Jesse Waters. He's speaking tongue-in-cheek here first. He's quoting one thing, and then he gets to the point after. So disregard the first 10 seconds of this clip. Your job to have classified information, not the president of the United States. If he has it, it's illegal. You see what's going on here? They can report classified information to the entire world and put our national security at risk. But the president can't lock up the same document in a box in a basement. That's putting national security at risk. This is nuts, guys. And the criminal statute that they stated in the affidavit doesn't even apply to the president. He's excluded. This affidavit's an air ball. Biden just raided his opponent's house, bribed his voters with your money, called half the country fascist, and then went back on vacation. And we're supposed to think Trump's the bad guy. Must be good to be king. Yeah, Biden's always going on vacation at these key moments. I just had a text to studio about that. From the great Alexa. Yes, indeed. Biden's always on vacation. You know, they can't uh, ask him questions. The least media-friendly president we've ever seen is this guy. The statues don't, none of this even applies to the president. It's, of course, another witch hunt. It's, of course, more of the deep state same. And we'll do more on this here, but... uh, mm. Is it not outrageous, folks, that the uh, this is the place where we live and there's no accountability? Let's say hello to Artis. Artis first in line and welcome. Thank you for being here, Miss Artis. Well, it just, you know, I've been listening to Mark Levin in the evenings and the weeknights, and he has said the same thing, that the president has every right guaranteed for two years and in some occasions 12 years that he can keep those documents. Um, although one of the subjects that Clinton was keeping something in his sock drawer, maybe that's why they felt obligated to go through Melania's 
underwear. Um, Those perverts. Yeah. Yeah. And there was even a picture on Facebook of supposedly, I mean, they weren't, but men in dresses after they went through Melania's yeah, closet. Yeah, they're uh, raiding uh, Melania's wardrobe and maybe trying mm-hmm. stuff on. I mean, who knows what they're doing? They, they, they could have been planting evidence. They could have been bugging the place. Oh, yeah. They could have been getting well, out the their Russiagate crossfire hurricane documents. And again, it's all redacted. You don't know what they're really doing, and you'll, we'll never find yeah. out. That's the way it is. And nobody can read it. So what's the point? And the fact that Biden says he has nothing to do with it well, I don't think the man remembers lie. anything that he's done. Absolute lie. Well, I think his brain is gone. I don't know if you asked him, what have you signed since you've been president, if he could list three things. Yeah. He, uh, I, just, I really think he's gone. Yeah, it's a Politburo, the way this country is run. You have to be a member of the Politburo like they did in the Soviet Union. They just put mm-hmm. the next person up in charge of the whole country. And the one person that we've had in my lifetime – with the exception of Ronald Reagan, who was not part of the Politburo, who was an outsider to the Beltway, was Donald Trump. And you've seen what they've oh, tried yeah. to do. Now they're raiding his home. It's, a, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's such fatal corruption to this republic. We've got, to, we've got with, to work out from under it. This deal with Mar-a-Lago was more of an insurrection than January 6th. Of course. I mean, they had people exactly. outside with guns. Amen, artists. You want to talk about <laughs> an actual insurrection? This is it. Mm-hmm. Russiagate mm-hmm. was an insurrection. The impeachments were an insurrection. This, the Trump mm-hmm. raid, an insurrection. Mm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's why we need Trump back in the White House. Yep. 2024. And the deep state's I doing everything so. they can to make it even a larger possibility. The poll data says that Republican voters think it's even more important to rally around Trump for 2024. I think it was like 72% of voters. I don't have the exact number in that poll that came out. But yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty sweet numbers. Artists. Wasn't there just some woman possibly involved in looking at all the dominion machines and finding all kinds of algorithms that shouldn't have been on the machines. Well, and that's one thing that I don't follow. I don't follow that stuff. So I, I'm not sure what the latest info is on that, but I'll tell you what artists. Yeah. Where's the real insurrection. You just Mm -hmm. nailed it. Right there. Mm-hmm. So all the best to you, artists. Thank you for being okay. close with Take us. <laughs> we love to hear your voice. <laughs> all the best. <laughs> and now we're going to say hello to Fred and Longmont. Fred and Longmont, welcome to the program. And how's it going out there? Well, you know, Matt, every day in Longmont's a good day. I was there last night, actually. Did yeah. you enjoy it? I did. It was a good night to be in Longmont. So. Yeah, it's it's somewhat still small town America, but we're getting overrun by the Boulderites. Yeah, um, you have to have a passport to get into Boulder. Is it that way in Longmont now? You know, the Republic of well, uh... our city council seems to be discussing it. They just passed a. <laughs> but this is no joke. They just passed a resolution outlawing nuclear bombs. So, <laughs> in Longmont. <laughs> yep. Wow. Our city council did. Yeah, that so... tells you the direction we're going. Okay. Well, I, have you have have you handed over your nukes yet, Fred? Or you know what? Uh, um, oh, God. I'm trying to think. Who was head of the NRA, this actor? Charlton Heston. Heston. Yeah. Said they can take it out of my cold, dead hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The, the reason I called, actually, I added something, but the first reason I called, I think the student debt forgiveness. Yeah, student loan forgiveness, Biden's now, latest not, brainstorm. Right. This is not going to be a sexy question, but in my days as a banker, anytime you forgave a portion or all of a debt, 
you had to send the customer uh, a form for which they had to report to the IRS that they had uh, what's called earned income. So I'm wondering if these students that are going to get ten or twenty thousand dollars forgiven are going to have to report that on their income tax. Yeah, I guess you know some of those details will have to be worked out, obviously. But the, the the major point of it is is the immorality of it of transferring debt from the intelligentsia to the working class. Oh, they're, they're, I'm not questioning it at all. I totally yeah. agree. But I'm just saying here's something that these people may not be thinking about: that hey, they're going to get a uh, I think it's a 1099 form. You mean I got to pay taxes on this stuff? Wait till you see the shock in their face. Yeah, I somehow think that the, that won't be allowed to happen that's for some reason. And by the way, since you're here and we're talking about the student loans thing, I have this clip a while back of a constituent in Massachusetts of uh, Elizabeth Pocahontas Warren, if you remember her, far hard left socialist, when she was talking about forgiving student loan debt. And this guy said, hey, I worked hard and I paid off my student loans and I saved and I worked a double shift. And my neighbor, my neighbor um, bought a new car and just lived large and he made more than me anyway, and he didn't pay off his student. Now he's going to get his student loans paid. This is like from a, like two years ago, but let's just hear this. The audio is not great, but that's the substance of it. And yeah, Pocahontas laughed at the guy for asking the question, the morality of it. I don't know, Fred. Well, I, I agree. One other yep. thing, and then I'll get off real quick. Well, you, here's the wall. There we go. Going to some international music there. And that's a little more Caesarea Evora with, uh, I can't remember who is singing that part there, but I believe he's from uh, Central Africa somewhere, like one of the really famous famous singers there. I think, um, oh, I can't pull out where he's from. At any rate, welcome back to the program as we shift right back to the heart of America. And I was looking for a window where I could work in a little salute, a little tribute to David McCullough, the wonderful historian who passed away in earlier, earlier this month at the age of 89 and David McCullough has been very special uh, to me and just to my reading. And I've got all of his books on my bookshelf. And um, he was actually a classmate of one of my uncles, um, who uh, Yale, class of 55. And uh, my uncle, Uncle Dick, um, has all of the David McCullough books. And they were kind of buddies and uh, kept in touch a bit and uh, says that David McCullough was a wonderful person and a wonderful classmate back in the Ivy League days, you know. And um, Uncle Dick, of course, went on to uh, be the uh, chief engineer for the lunar module for the space landing. So, you know, some successful fellas there. But we have lost one of the true pillars of the American spirit in losing David McCullough. And uh, just, you know, just sad. You know, once you lose somebody and you get like that gut hit. And um, this, for me, is one of them. Uh, basically, my all-time favorite book, about American history is the book 1776 by David McCullough. 
you wouldn't say it's strictly an academic book. Um, it wouldn't quite play in faculty lounges and history departments in the United States of America because he would focus a lot on character and the people involved in making history. And that fits to one of his points where he said this, quote, David McCullough, to me, history ought to be a pleasure. To me, it's an enlargement of the experience of being alive just the way literature or art or music is. And I think that's exactly right, and it's such a great way to communicate and transmit history is not through, like, abstract data and numbers and, like, historical trends and stuff, but the humans, the humans all the way along that made the history. And in 1776, my gosh, I... uh. I've read it numerous times, and I've even listened to the audiobook, which I think could be the greatest audiobook ever, narrated by David McCullough himself, who has got the best darn voice, the best voice. And if you ever watched Ken Burns' Civil War series, that was McCullough who did the narrating of all of that. He also narrated the American Experience series on PBS. He's won a couple of Pulitzer Prizes and a couple of National Book Awards. And some people may uh, be familiar with his biography of John Adams, his biography of Truman, his Mornings on Horseback, biography of Teddy Roosevelt, which was a wonderful book. My gosh, was that great. Yes, I've read them all. Um, The Path Between the Seas, he wrote about the Panama Canal. He wrote about uh, the Brooklyn Bridge. That's called uh, the Great Bridge. And um, wrote about the Johnstown Flood. And um, he did have a collection of essays called The American Spirit, that came out a few years ago, and I've actually uh, brought this into the studio a handful of times. It came out in 2017. And uh, by the way, uh, David McCullough in later years lived in Martha's Vineyard out there in Massachusetts. And he had this little writer's, uh, writer's studio kind of behind his house, and it's got the shingles all the way up and down it like the Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket-type architecture. What a perfect, idyllic environment for a writer to see that uh, that little structure that he um, would sit in. At any rate, uh, just I, I just recommend if you could read 1776 or John Adams or Truman or Mornings on Horseback, read all of these books by this guy who makes history a delight and makes it wonderful. And it's not an academically slouchy way to do it. It's footnoted and just brilliant research, deep research he did in all these books. But his attitude was not to to make it um, abstract and, again, academic history, to make it real, to transmit the knowledge and the background and the history of this country. Uh, In particular, he focused on American history. And my gosh, what a wonderful, wonderful um, style and tone he had. And in a generation that, you know, the academics criticize this guy. They say, oh, you know, he's not uh, PC enough in every way these days. And it's uh, what a shame to see the way history departments have been uh, have been corrupted. I'm pulling out uh, the American Spirit book here, and he has a, an essay um, that he gave a speech to Hillsdale College in 2005, and the title of his speech is called Knowing Who We Are. And he talks about the painting by John Trumbull called The Declaration of Independence. It uh, hangs in the uh, rotunda at the Capitol, I believe. Um, And I've got that on my wall at home, and I try to show my kids this painting of the Declaration of Independence by John Trumbull, and it's got 47 faces on it, 47 
individuals. And I always ask my kids, how many faces are on this painting? They say 47. I love the number 47, by the way. Um, but McCullough in this essay says this, what is accurate in Trumbull's painting are the faces. Each and every one of the 47 men in that painting is an identifiable and thus accountable individual. And oh yes, accountable humans, real humans who wrote that beautiful declaration of independence, the most glorious document in my view ever written politically. But the deep state, no accountability there. Yeah, that's the way it works. You know, you get the bureaucracy, you get the Politburo. Oh, it's no accountability anymore. But that's an aside. But McCullough goes on to point this out. Unfortunately, in his view, unfortunately, we are raising a generation of young Americans who are by and large historically illiterate. Innumerable studies have been made, and there's no denying it, that our current generation of youth is historically illiterate, and that's really a shame. David McCullough is a great antidote to that. And McCullough says this also in this essay, First of all, we have to get across the idea that we have to know who we were if we are to know who we are and where we're headed. This is essential. We have to value what our forebears, and not just in the 18th century, but our own parents and grandparents did for us, or we're not going to take it very seriously, and it can all slip away. Such great points from David McCullough, the historian. And in another essay, he writes a tribute to Thomas Jefferson, the spirit of Jefferson in this book. He says this about the Declaration, quote, The Declaration of Independence was not a creation of the gods, but of living men, and let us never forget extremely brave men. They were staking their lives on what they believed, pledging, as Jefferson wrote in the final passage, our lives, our fortunes, our sacred honor. By honor... They meant reputation, their good name. Their word, once given, would not be broken. It was their code of integrity, their code of leadership. And maybe I'll continue this a little bit. In the year before his death, Jefferson presented to his granddaughter and her husband, Ellen and Joseph Coolidge of Boston, the portable writing box he had used to draft the Declaration of Independence. And while it was of no particular beauty, he said, its imaginary value, he assured them, was bound to increase with the years. And so it is with so much that is real from the past. There is no possible reckoning of the imaginary value of this great house, Monticello, these lovely grounds, just as there is no possible reckoning of the creative energy of Jefferson's mind or the enduring vitality of his high purpose, his faith in the people of America. By reaching for the stars, Jefferson gave us all the impulse. He liked to talk about the energy of an idea. At times, he seemed all ideas, all energy. It is wonderful how much may be done if we are always doing, Jefferson said. And as few men and women ever have, he was always doing for this country. And by the way, in 1776, McCullough's description of the character of George Washington when the revolution was hanging by a thread It is remarkable. It is inspiring. It is unforgettably brilliant. R.I.P. David McCullough. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.